0: It's time for the powermazoo.com podcast. With interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to another week of the powermazoo.com podcast. Gabe DeArmond alongside the world's biggest Texas A&M basketball fan for the next 48 hours. Mitchell 40, and that is due to last night, Missouri won 64-39. Um, I was dealing with uh, sick child problems so did not catch the full game you did georgia i mean 39 they would have beat nc state
1: georgia, for a while nc state's 24 point total looked like it was in jeopardy georgia had 14 points at halftime and with 10.02 left in the game had 16 points they started the second half 0 of 11 from the field yeah at one point, the two teams were combined 0 of 28 from three. And, like, honestly, you know, a lot of times this season I've been watching a game and been like, wow, this is the worst game I've ever yeah. seen. And while last night probably takes the cake, I also it, sort of enjoyed it. It was, it was incredible.
0: Games like that become oddly fascinating. Yeah. Like, I turned that game on with about two and a half minutes left in the first half. Yeah. And I didn't see Georgia make a shot for a good 35 minutes yeah. of real time. Yeah, it
1: was incredible. It was like, I mean, eventually one of these heaves just has to go in, right? Right.
0: And Missouri, like, hit a spot where they started making some shots. Torrance Watson made some threes. But what always disappoints me in a game like that is, oh, they made a couple, and now mm-hmm. they're not going to have 19 points <laughs> for this. Like, at some point, you just start to root for the worst possible. If it's going to be bad, I want the worst I've ever
1: seen. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I was I was hoping for something historic. I mean, I, there was a while there I didn't know if they were going to break 20 in the game. Yeah. It was incredible.
0: So the the Texas A M comment is oh, basically yeah. if. Missouri wins and A&M loses to Mississippi State on Saturday, then Missouri is the eleven seed, which mm-hmm. is like better for Missouri. It's I guess better for you guys. It's better for a lot of things. It means they play the second game on Wednesday it's, night, mm-hmm. which means it ends
1: It'll in end. all
0: likelihood about 11 o'clock.
1: Yeah, probably a little later. The first I think the first game tips off at like, 7 uh, Eastern time. Yeah. And so the second game will be 30 minutes after that one ends, which could be sometime around, like, 9.30. I don't know. The other one might be a half hour, so I don't know. It's going to be late. I, I would rather not but, go to bed at 2 a.m. And I know that, uh, I know that some or of you, you listening out there— if you do, at least there... have it by choice because right, right, you've right. gone out after. <laughs> yeah, I I, I would—I know some of you listening out there are going to, you know, think that's unfair, but I'm I'm much more concerned about myself than your rooting interests. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and I, I, I mean— Look, I love this time of year because it is the time of year where legitimately every fan base has hope. Yep. I mean, there are, you know, I, I don't know, there's a handful of teams that I think aren't in a conference, but there's probably 320 basketball teams whose coach is telling them on Sunday morning, all you've got to do is go win three to five games and you're playing in the NCAA tournament. And yep. there will be some team out there that was like the nine seed that miraculously mm-hmm. wins. Yep. Um, I mean, r- nobody... I'm I'm pretty confident nobody's ever won five games in five days at the SEC tournament. Not at the SEC I
1: tournament. I think UConn did one year in the Big mm-hmm. East tournament. And with, the first uh, game was either like Kemba six or overtime. Napier. Yeah, that, I, I think that was, uh, I think that was a different year. Okay. Because I think Syracuse won the six overtime game. Although I could be wrong. Either. Way. Yes. No. I mean, there were some crazy Big East tournaments. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure. That either I think it was the Kemba Walker team that that won it all for UConn yeah. but like it could have been a different one. I'm pretty sure they won five games in five days. I think you're right. But at the
0: SEC tournament yeah. it, obviously that's only been going on for like six years because mm-hmm. they didn't used to have, have five yeah. games. Yeah. Um the the closest anybody's come and, and SEC Network has done a documentary on this, Georgia, and I can't remember the year, but they beat Alabama in overtime in the first game. And the big deal about that was because of the three-pointer that forced overtime, everyone stayed inside the Georgia Dome for another oh, like yeah. hour and missed a tornado. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember caused, that. Yeah. Like, mass flooding, they ended up moving the entire tournament to Georgia Tech. Yeah. And Georgia, which was, if not the last seed, very close to the last seed, went on this miraculous run and got to the final. Yeah. And, and I don't think they ended up winning no. the tournament. But that's as close as any. It, it's just really hard, Yeah, especially when you're talking about a, a team in Missouri that like, best-case scenario, they will have won six SEC games all year. Mm-hmm. Asking them to win five in a row seems unreasonable.
1: Yeah, yeah it seems unlikely. Yeah. Uh, I think Mississippi State one year went from, like, they went, they played four and four days and lost the fourth one, like, in overtime to Kentucky or something okay. like that. But, yeah, no, I mean— you know, Missouri, Nobody this that's is, playing on day is, one is winning. Yeah, this trophy. is Missouri's first two-game winning streak in SEC play all yeah. season. Uh, so I think expecting them to win five in a row, yeah, especially when you get towards the end there and you're playing someone like LSU or Kentucky or Tennessee is probably a tall ask. Which but.
0: five in a row would actually be probably eight in a row at that yes, point. Yes, yes. Um, and so let's talk best-case scenario for this team is – Okay, go ahead, win Ole Miss, lose Ole Miss. Well, best-case scenario, you beat Ole Miss. Mm -hmm. So that puts you in the regular season. That would be what, 14 Uh, and 15, 15 and 15? 15 15 and 15, yeah. So they would be 500 going into the SEC tournament. You would have to win two and then lose in the quarterfinals would leave you 17 and 16. That's still not NIT. For this team to get in the NIT, they've got to at a minimum be playing in the SEC semifinals, and I don't even know if that's enough.
1: Yeah, I would. I would think that. I don't really know. I. I'm mean, going to be honest. I've yeah. never once paid attention to how the selection criteria right. for the NIT works. Um. But. But yes, I would think. I mean, 17 would be the bare minimum. Right. Probably that's not even enough. Uh. And even to get to 17, I mean, beating Ole Miss is is no. You know that that's right. nothing to shrug at. I mean, they they they're gonna they're gonna be needing a win on Saturday. Win yeah, they need to win. So, uh, I I don't know. I mean, I'm I've not really even considered the prospects of of the NIT. Um. But. Yeah, I think I mean I think just best case scenario is you know you you, you win Wednesday. You don't want to end end your season on right. Wednesday night at the SEC tournament. Right. You go you play hard, who cares what happens, you know, something on Thursday, maybe you win another one. Uh, and, and just over overall, just you know, send the seniors out on somewhat of a positive note, and keep have Torrance Watson keep playing well, keep getting playing time for those young guys, and I don't know, it's kind of the same thing we've been saying all along.
0: I did actually look at the NIT earlier this year, just out of curiosity, and so last year, the, the worst power, the worst record of a Power Five team that was in the NIT was 17 and 14. Okay. And the problem with Missouri, if they get to 17, is they've beaten legitimately like almost no one. Yeah. And they've got, you know, and now Ole Miss would be a good win.
1: Ole Miss, Central Florida, UCF's a good win, yeah.
0: but they don't have a lot of good wins is right. the point. So that's why I think they've got to get to the semis. But, yeah, the the, interest, the, the most interesting thing to me about the S D C tournament is if Missouri loses on Saturday, in all likelihood, their games are Georgia and then Ole Miss again. So mm-hmm. it's just a repeat <laughs> yeah. of this week.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, that will be interesting. I, it was actually somewhat interesting at the end of the broadcast last night of that game. Uh, the the two commentators were talking about you know if these two teams play again in the week, which seems pretty likely. Who has the advantage? And they both said Georgia. Which I I mean like I don't know if
0: Georgia has the advantage <laughs> over anyone.
1: Yeah, I get I get that a, a team's gonna be embarrassed after that kind of performance and, you know, probably want revenge and, and they would probably have Rayshawn Hammond's back who they missed last night. That's their second leading score. But after I mean, after what I saw, I'm I I'm I'm legitimately not giving Georgia the edge over like Kenishus right
0: now. Right. Like they might have the edge over Vandy, but last night for me. You know what I learned last night? Tom Crean was right, man. He should have yeah. got rid of those dudes. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, that's senior night and, and you know, some of the some of the, you know, stuff comes down to bad shooting, but they're they're a bad three-point shooting team to start with. Yeah. They started like oh of 20 from three. Like stop shooting, go go <laughs> right. someone try to score. Like go go to the basket and draw a foul. Like it, it was bad. It really was. It was pretty embarrassing honestly on a senior night
0: (laughs) so uh that happened senior night this weekend for missouri look it's it's gonna be a thing i Mm -hmm. mean jordan geist and kevin Perrier and adam wolf and i and i don't mean that disrespectfully to any of those kids senior night is cool but just like this is not gonna be have the feeling of marcus denman and kim english's senior night you know it's gonna be a little different
1: yeah yeah uh Conzo had an interesting comment earlier this week where he said like you know when we're cutting down the nets when in the conference tournament those guys will be a big reason why and and he certainly didn't mean this season I don't right. think but uh, I don't know I mean like I get it. they left their mark on a program on the program you know Kevin Perrier he he played through some some tough times. Uh, some real down years, and he was a, definitely a, an important contributor a season ago. Jordan Geist has really kind of come into his own. I, I posted on our message board last night. I just think the biggest thing for him is just finally being comfortable with his role yeah. and not feeling like he's going to come out right away. So you know, just for so his like sake, the opposite you wish, of Xavier Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just for his sake, you wish. You know, he would have got to that point a little sooner, but it's been nice. I guess that's you know kind of the one silver lining of this season. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, I think I think we'll hear from those guys tomorrow. There'll probably be a, a media availability. I'm excited. <laughs> one one another fun thing I learned watching the SEC Network broadcast last night is uh, the team plays Uno on the plane rides home only after they right. win. And Adam Wolf is the best Uno player, so I'm fired up to ask him about Uno.
0: Best Uno player, best three point shooter. I, I mean, Adam Wolf is doing it all. Uh, so. It- the women's team, and it, this is going to be a little bit oddly timed because we are taping this, and they they tip off against Florida in about an hour and a half in the SEC tournament. Uh, senior day for them, you followed Sophie's mom around, and that was a, that was a cool senior day. I mean, that yeah. was a meaningful one, this program. And the weird thing about legacies, again, we've talked about this with Drew Locke, and uh, Sophie – and Sierra Porter and Lauren Aldridge, their legacy is ultimately going to be determined by Asia Blackwell and Haley Frank, and what happens next.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, but for now, it's it's pretty good.
1: Yeah, I I think just the the unique thing about Sophie and Sierra Porter also to an extent is, is you know when when you try to measure you know players against other players like I I don't know you you said something on Twitter like not sure you've covered a Mizzou athlete with a greater impact and obviously you know football and basketball have a bigger impact on the university as a whole but for Sophie one. You know, she's one of, if not the best players in school history. But she's from the area; she's been around the school forever. Her family knows everyone in the community. I mean, like, they call I, her the mayor. Yeah, I know? can't. Uh, I can't ever think of another player, you know, that I've seen anywhere who's just inspired a community to kind of come together like that. Especially about us for a sport that, you know, like she said when when she got there, they were putting maybe a thousand people in the stands.
0: Well, and the interesting thing to me is going to be. Is that sustained? I mean, yeah. part of it's going to be winning.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: But, like, at the beginning of this season, Missouri fans hoped they would win. But season tickets were way down because that one guy wasn't here. Mm-hmm. You know, so what's what are the, what's attendance going to be like because Sophie's not yeah. here? Um, so now we get to the point where, like, we haven't talked a lot about women's basketball all year because, honestly, here's the feeling I've had about this team all year. Their season starts today nothing that has happened mattered this team now has to do something in these next two tournaments to make this season a success i mean they ought to beat florida but like if they bow out tomorrow against kentucky and they lose round one in the ncaa tournament you're gonna go oh that's that's all we got huh
1: yeah i think that'd be kind of a disappointment i mean you know the the whole impact we just talked about that that's not changing no matter what you know Sophie brought this whole community together and that that was really cool to see and like i do think some of those people will will continue to to kind of watch i think you know women's basketball fans are a different demographic than men's basketball fans and don't care as much about the one superstar i think some of the ones who came to the games will keep coming probably not all but uh yeah i mean i think anyone on the team and especially sophie would be lying if they didn't say you know that 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 what they kind of have some unfinished business in the postseason um so yeah that'll be interesting to monitor i don't think they can get to a point where they can host uh that's just me basing that off of that charlie cream guys bracketology i i don't really know much i mean they would have
0: to almost win the sec tournament
1: yeah so uh so almost certainly they'll they'll have to uh they'll have to go on the road in the ncaa tournament but i I mean we'll see i think uh yeah I, i don't know i i think they've they've clearly shown that they can beat anybody Anybody. i mean they're the only team to beat uh mississippi state in starkville all season but they've also shown that they can lose to almost anybody so that that kind of team always makes for a real tough uh projection in the ncaa tournament and
0: and the game against florida and again by the time you guys hear this that's going to be either part way or all the way over but i mean this is a huge game because if missouri loses this game i think they're in danger of dropping down onto like that seven line Mm -hmm. and the problem is in women's basketball if you're a seven through a 10 seed you are not making the Sweet 16. Like, the top eight teams, I I don't know what the number is, but I bet there are fewer than ten one or two seeds who haven't made the Sweet 16 ever.
1: Yeah, I don't know about ever, but I also – I I mean, the tournament's only been
0: around since, like,
1: 1983. Yeah, very true. Yes, no, I mean, there's definitely a much bigger drop-off between those top few teams and the rest in women's college basketball for sure. I mean, you know, you get the UConns, the world, Mississippi State, Baylor, you know, whoever else is good in a given year, I mean – it, it they're they're all like you know right now like 29 and two so right yeah
0: but I mean so let's say they win at least one I mean they're gonna be like in that five six seed range so mm-hmm. there's no reason to think that this team and obviously this wouldn't be the matchup but like you'd be going somewhere like Lexington Kentucky like you mm-hmm. can win that game yeah you know you can get to a sweet 16 as a five or a six seed sure you yeah. can't as a seven or an eight yeah and that's the goal. I, I mean, I'm not gonna say that I'm not gonna say the year was a failure and it was all a, for nothing if they don't. But a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah. You know, there's kind of separate things you look at. Obviously, you know, you know, the, the seniors can still have had a successful career and a big impact no matter what. But but yeah, I mean, like I said, I think that they themselves would admit that this is kind of the one thing that's been missing.
0: Yeah, no question. Uh, so that's that's basketball. Um, spring football is I don't know five days old, something like that. You'll be at another practice this afternoon. Um, and, you know, I enjoy the how did this guy look? How's the offense going to change questions? Like, I get it. I appreciate it. Everybody starved for football. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, that that's just not anything you can tell, especially they have not yet put pads on. They will have pads on for the first time um, this afternoon. I mean, I, I guess here's what I've learned. Like, Jonathan Nance is going to play a lot. Mm-hmm. And – Kelly Bryant seems like he's been here a while. Yeah, you know he doesn't seem like a kid who walked on campus two two months ago.
1: Yeah, no, definitely not. He's he's comfortable talking to the reporters, and everyone you know has uh, has great things to say about him. Uh, it seems like until he, he throws is, a pick. Yeah, of course. Now it seems like he's uh, he's pretty comfortable around the guys. So I guess you know that's something you want from your quarterback. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. We're, uh, we're, we're, you know, I think as we kind of co- go through and get a chance to kind of talk to all the position coaches, we're kind of trying to knock out one or two a day. Uh, Except for that, Brad Davis. Right. Uh, that, that will kind of, you know, shed some insight as to, you know, maybe who's been impressing them so far and who, who might be in position to kind of push for a bigger role. But really, I mean, until you get everyone on campus, which doesn't even happen until the fall, it's hard to get a, get a good idea of, you know, the, maybe like the too deep.
0: Right. And I said this in the mailbag the other day, like, almost never has a position been won in spring football. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's about a lot of things, but it's not about who's going to start at Wyoming on August 31st. I mean, that's all to be determined in, uh, in August. Um, we are next week on the podcast, uh, still working out details, but, uh, lining up, hopefully going to have Emmanuel Hall on the podcast. And, um, Emmanuel Hall, I think, made himself some money last weekend.
1: Yeah, I would say quite I a mean, bit. I mean,
0: that was like, I, I thought about this after not, I was going to say watching the combine. That's not true. After reading <laughs> tweets about the combine. So he broad jumped 11 feet and nine inches. Like, how far do you think you could broad jump?
1: I don't know. I should try it out, actually. But like, I, mean, I thought you far. might have a shot uh, at nine feet. Oh man, that seems far. I don't know. I've I have, I i do not even have a reference point. I've never broad jumped in my life. You didn't even uh, do it at
0: like field day when you were in like fourth uh, not grade. Not that I can remember. Maybe. Oh, but that used I, to be a thing. I don't we, think so. When we had field day, yeah. And this is like I'm old, so, it, but you, the standing broad jump, like that was an event. and They would get out just the plastic tape measure yeah. and measure man, how now how I'm t-
1: I want to do it. I might I might leave here and go broad jump, but <laughs> uh, no. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I I mean not as far as Emmanuel Hall. Certainly what was his vertical, like thirty nine inches? Uh, uh, I think it was forty something. Forty three. I don't know. It was something it was much, much higher than I think uh mine would be. And then the uh forty forty yard dash of what, four point three nine? Yeah. That's that's speedy. And and like well, we all knew he was a good athlete, but th- th- these numbers are pretty elite.
0: And I was talking to somebody the day before he ran. And they told me if he's healthy, he could go high four twos. Yeah. So I'd be interested to see. So just for reference sake, I'm looking – this room we're in, I'm going to guess is between 9 and 11 feet wide. Like, could you broad jump across this room?
1: Probably not. I'm guessing, though.
0: I could if I got two jumps. Yeah. (laughs) But the the problem is with no ACL in my right leg, like, on the first one, I would just crumple to the (laughs) ground upon the landing, and I couldn't do enough. So (laughs) – yeah, I would just be laying halfway across the. So room. It's
1: one of the one of the few reasons you never made it to the NFL.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, I I mean, I I did have when my eligibility was up. I still had two healthy ACLs. Mm. It was after that, so I guess I can't blame that. Um, Drew Locke, like he got all the reviews we expected he would get out of the combine. I mean, he, you know, he threw. He threw, so that was yeah. one thing. I guess threw pretty. Well. I've never seen somebody not throw well at the combine or their pro day. Like it's a scripted thing with no pads against no defense. Yeah, how would you not throw? Well? I've
1: said, I've said for a long, long time. You know, with, in, when Pete, when people started talking about him, you know, going out to the draft last year, whatever. Like as soon as scouts saw him throw in shorts against no defense, right. they were gonna. I mean fall in love with him even more I mean that's his where he's at his best we've seen it in some practices when they're just throwing routes on air he he makes some unbelievable throws um you know it gets harder obviously when you have giant men running at you but (laughs) that's the analysis we pay for (laughs) yeah but but yeah no I mean like even even among the the elite quarterback prospects I think he he stands out in that regard and he'll have another chance to do well uh, at missouri's pro day which we'll be at here in a couple weeks so yeah i mean it'll be interesting it'll be a lot different than last year's pro day when there were like four scouts there
0: right and he's look he's gonna win the interview yeah like he's very comfortable doing that um i'm still i'm still very fascinated that it seems like kyler murray's gonna be the number one pick like i there's a ton of upside there and it and, and i think baker mayfield has made this easier for
1: him oh absolutely
0: but making that pick at number 1 overall and i understand making any pick at number 1 overall could theoretically cost you your job but making that pick at number 1 overall for a brand new coach that could lose you a job real yeah. soon in the NFL.
1: especially when you just spent a very high pick on a quarterback i mean and you're if you get rid right. of that quarterback you're not going to get anywhere near the return you paid for it yeah it's tough i mean I don't know. I, I I get that you have to have a quarterback to win in this league, and it, it, you know maybe it's even worth sacrificing a one-year-old first-round pick, especially when you've got a new coach who you figure at least maybe has a couple of years. But man, I I don't know. I I would be scared, especially. I mean, I I think Kyler Murray's yeah, he's a good player. He's a great athlete. His his combine measurements, I guess, are encouraging because he's not as tiny as we all thought. Right.
0: Although um, look, but, he clearly went to Whataburger twenty four <laughs> yeah. straight meals, so he would weigh over two hundred pounds. Yeah. And he is not going to weigh over two hundred pounds.
1: Right. Right. But um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, like. I don't know. I I would I've said this before. I would be a terrible GM because I don't think I'd ever draft a quarterback. I'd be too scared all the time. I mean, the, the, these guys, it's every year they get pushed off the draft board. They get pushed up the draft board and it's even, you know, guys who who a lot of people are saying, you know, oh yeah, I think you know, he could be great like like Josh Allen last year. Even, you know, Baker Mayfield. I was like I don't know, man. I mean, I yeah. could see him being good, but at the same time I could see him being see him being really bad, and I'm using this like, you know, top 10 pick which only comes around once every few years. I'm just going to go with the guard. <laughs> Give me the offensive guard. <laughs> and see,
0: I would be a terrible GM for the exact opposite reason. Like I would only draft skill position players, defensive ends and cornerbacks. Number yeah. like I saw a team pick Eric Fisher number one overall. My team is never taking an offensive lineman in the front. So the problem is I would have great skill position players and they would all be dead yeah. because nobody would block
1: them. Yeah, that would be an issue.
0: <laughs> so, um, But one more kind of on the, on the Cardinals and Murray. Like, I, I think what the Patriots have done really well is they always, as soon as they see a mistake or sometimes even before a mistake, they get rid of it. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you know Josh Rosen's a mistake – fine take kyler murray do you know josh rosen's a mistake yet like he had nothing
1: on yeah, that team yeah that team was dismal last year i watched them play all of one game Didn't the but,
0: broncos beat them by like 40
1: yeah i was gonna say that's the only game i watched them play but it was i mean their defense like the broncos scored like 21 points in like two minutes it was yeah. incredible i mean they, that team has nothing
0: so. yeah they have a 42 year old larry fitzgerald yeah and and that's about all so i i think I mean, Drew is clearly not going to be the first quarterback taken. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a chance he's the second quarterback taken.
1: Definitely. And even if he's the third, I still am very confident he'll be in the top 15.
0: Top 15. No question. I think Washington at 15 is the the furthest he slides. I think Emmanuel Hall worked himself potentially into the second round.
1: Yeah. I I think there's still going to be some questions about the health. Um, obviously some rep- reports came out that he may have a sports hernia. Which um, shouldn't really which, be that No, big it deal. shouldn't be a, a huge deal. Um, it's just, you know, kind of the, the biggest question we've said all along for him is is the durability. You know, you have to be able to play to use that athleticism. And he he can't really answer that between now and the combine and and I think this is just one more little I don't want to say a strike against him, but another cause for concern. So we'll see. I mean, I I, I he's a great player. He's obviously immensely gifted. Um, I would be a little nervous to to pick him at, at that point. But, you know, it, he also has the potential to be a, a, an elite playmaker.
0: I think Kendall Blanton, just by measuring 6'7", 260 <laughs> with a 92-foot wingspan. And one hand bigger than the other. Yeah, he may have marginally helped himself. I think Paul Adams, Terez Hall, and Terry Beckner just – probably are what they were going into the combine i don't think they killed themselves but i don't yeah. think they helped themselves. i guess
1: therese may, may or may not yeah. have injured himself so that would yeah. be a bummer i think that would hurt him a little bit if he can't work out at pro day
0: as long as his mouth still works though, that's he's, true <laughs> that's I'm true still a fame
1: yeah absolutely hopefully we get to talk to him and, uh, again
0: somebody's gonna like take that as a completely out of context <laughs> comment on the podcast i just mean he gives good interviews that's that's all i mean um so yeah, that's I don't even know when the draft is. April twenty fifth, but pro yeah. day two weeks from today. And it will be in I mean, look, there's gonna be I would imagine every single team will be there.
1: Oh, I would have to think so. I mean man, I yeah, maybe not, but I but between between Locke and I Emmanuel mean, Hall and Beck, I mean that's like you've got a first three first sure picks. Yeah, four Last year guys. they last year they had one guy get picked and there were still like twelve teams there. Right. So I
0: mean these teams don't have anything else to do this time of year. <laughs> what are they gonna do? Yeah. Go, uh, go check out some college towns. Um, so, yeah, we've got all that. I don't know. I Like, I feel like we covered everything. Um, we're at 25 minutes. Is there anything else we should cover?
1: I don't know. Do you have any good stories?
0: Not really. I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty boring. I'm going to spend about... 212 hours volunteering at the mizzou pool
1: this weekend Ooh, if you want to come i've spent a lot of time there i don't really need to spend more
0: yeah me either uh, especially because i don't even know if my kid's gonna swim now so uh i'll be there though uh mitchell yep. will be at spring football practice thursday and
1: saturday saturday
0: mm-hmm. and then mizzou plays old miss saturday afternoon tournament basketball starts again right about an hour from when we're finishing this up uh we expect Missouri's women to at least be playing tomorrow, and I think the men, uh, we'll have to figure out, we, we might do this podcast with you from from Nashville or on the road. If it's on the road next Thursday, like, that's kind of a— Yeah, that doesn't I, it's work It's hard great. to say a 12 seed has failed in the SEC tournament, but, like, yeah. just
1: go win one game. Yeah, oh, I was just thinking not great even for logistics because I don't know how I talk to Emmanuel Hall on the phone while well, he's also on the phone. Oh. That would be a disaster.
0: Excellent. point. Well, yeah. I mean, you'll be in Nashville. Maybe Emmanuel Hall's in Nashville. That's Maybe true. You, you guys can hang out and I can just. Be here. <laughs>
1: That's true. Wow, that would be wild. Right. Well, so yes, ne- next week's podcast
0: uh, Mitchell and Emmanuel Hall live from Crystal. Yeah. How's well, that sound?
1: How about uh, Hattie B's or Princess? Yeah. That, that, that sounds better to me. That
0: sounds way better. <laughs> I'm sure Emmanuel Hall's draft diet includes a lot of Hattie B's right before Pro Day.
1: Um, Mine would. If, it, if, I, <laughs> if I was going to Nashville, and I hadn't and, been for a while, even if I had like a big swim meet coming up. I'd be like, yeah, I gotta get some. And of this we hot have chicken. now
0: figured out why you're not in the NFL. Yeah. So uh, we've established that this week. So thanks for listening again next week. Hoping to have Emmanuel Hall uh, two weeks from now, Pro Day. So a uh, lot of stuff coming up. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.